May our good and gracious God make each one of us uh, a servant in his kingdom today. People of the Epiphany, we're in that Epiphany season um, in which we concentrate a little bit more on, on Jesus being revealed to the nations as the Savior. This morning, people of the Epiphany, fields ripe for harvest. I'd like to begin with a question for those of you who were here in church two weeks ago when I preached last. So if you were one of those, um, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Nothing bad's going to happen. Maybe. Okay. Um, For those of you who were here two weeks ago, I ended the message by encouraging you to do what? Anybody remember? The lights are in my eyes. I can't see all the hands being raised at one time. Surely, surely. Oh, man. No, but thank you for attempting. I really appreciate that. That is, you know, getting me off the hook here a little bit. Okay. At the end of the message... I encouraged those of you who are here to uh, open up your Bible sometime to John chapter 4 and finish reading the amazing story about the Samaritan woman. Oh, yeah, now it comes back to you. Oh, I'm afraid to ask this next one, but... (laughs) Going to have an Olympic moment here. If you uh, are interested in, in the Olympics and you turn your TV on, our channel is channel 3 in the morning, NBC... And they, they will tell you some of what happened during that day, because obviously we don't get to see any of it until the, that evening. But they can give you a spoiler alert, right? So if you don't like that, if you want, don't want to, uh, to know, you're supposed to turn around. So this is kind of the spoiler alert. I'm going to turn around. It's, 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 I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to turn around. And those of you who are too shy to raise your hand before, to, or to say what that you actually remembered. Um, I'm going to turn around and the music will play, and then if there's any of you that did actually do that, now that I reminded you, you can raise your hand. So I'm turning around, the music is playing, I'll shut my eyes too, and they go, you know, dun, dun, dun. I can always just give me a servant now. Make me a servant, music is stopping. Put your hands down. Is it worthwhile even asking if anybody put up their hands? No. Okay. Um, but that's okay because you're going to have the opportunity to learn more anyway because we're going to continue after that particular segment of the woman at the well. Thinking about people of the epiphany, fields ripe for harvest. First of all, we're going to look at unlikely field workers because this one was not from a farming family, obviously. Verse 28 says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to her town. Now the Samaritan woman who had come to get water left the jug and went back. Obviously she was not part of the Jewish farming system because she was a Samaritan. And you add that to the fact that she was an, an obviously sinful woman No doubt she would be disqualified, right, from being a part of God's farming system. 
but the woman did not leave her jar in shame or disgust. Quite to the contrary, she hurried away, trained as a compelled and simple sower. She said to the people of her town, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? People of the Epiphany, fields ripe for harvest. The first thing that needs to be done in any field, if you're thinking about a harvest sometimes, is to plant the seeds. And then, after that, they have a chance to grow. Well, Jesus gave this Samaritan woman a bag full of of spiritual seed. And what did she do? Well, she went right back to her townspeople and planted that spiritual seed in their ears and in their heart. I mean, it was a seed of amazing knowledge that Jesus had of her spiritual condition, which was not good. The seed of the possibility, then, that this could be the Messiah, the one anointed to be the Savior. Maybe they said, well, could this really be the one we've been waiting for? Her simple answer was, come see. Obviously, she could say, well, you know about me. I want you to learn about him. Don't just take my word for it. Come, see. Well, the seed is planted, right? But the question is, will they come? Will they listen and come to Jesus so that their seed could be watered like the the seed was watered by the the living water of Jesus, and come to faith. Well, we read, they came out of the town and made their way towards him. Now, back to Jesus and his disciples, people of the epiphany, fields ripe for harvest. So secondly, we look at harvesters in training. We go back to when the woman was with Jesus at the well. And see a little bit about Jesus' harvesters in training, the disciples. They received what you could say a shock treatment. Just then his disciples returned. Remember, they had gone into town, leaving Jesus there, who was tired and hungry, to buy food. So they returned and were surprised to find him talking to the woman. Now remember, this is John chapter 4, very early in the public ministry of Jesus, very early in the training of his disciples who were to be the harvesters of the future. Undoubtedly, Jesus knew that these 12 good, solid Jewish men would be more than surprised when they came back. And as the original language allows and would suggest here, they were shocked. Why? Well, they came back founding Jesus talking to a Samaritan. I mean, no Jewish person, say nothing about a a rabbi, a teacher, would interact with a Samaritan. And add to that the fact that he was alone talking to a woman. In that culture, that was a no-no. Jesus was doing both. I mean, that was a shock. I mean, the obvious reaction uh, would be of the disciples, either right then or as soon as she left, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? 
But that's not their reaction. They, like we often do, avoided the teachable moment that God had set right before them. But no one asks, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Do we ever avoid teachable moments? I mean, some difficult thing or confusing thing comes into our life. And we don't go to God in prayer. Or if we go to God in prayer, we don't go to his word, the Bible, and see what he has to say about this situation. Or do we call a Christian friend and share with that Christian friend that that concern that, that you have this, this difficulty or challenge that you're facing, and allow that Christian friend to share with you something from Scripture to show God's will and God's ways? Or if that friend calls you up and shares with you her concern about something that's going on, do we find ourselves equipped well enough to actually share a scriptural truth, point her to a Bible story that illustrates God's plan for people or not? Or do we at least join with her in prayer, whether in person or over the phone, asking that God helps you or her or him understand? Thankfully, Jesus knows far too well his disciples then and now, and our reluctance to uh, go to him quickly and often, even though they called him rabbi, they called him teacher, and so he taught them. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus, the master teacher then, played off the situation that was there. If you remember with a Samaritan woman, they were at a well, so they talked about water and drinking water, and Jesus used that to talk to her about spiritual water. So now you want to talk about food? Jesus would use that also. He began his spiritual harvesting training to his disciples. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Hmm. Jesus, like, like a master teacher would, right? Tries to get their attention and create an interest in the students about this particular subject. Taking their avoiding the subject by saying, eat something, Jesus. He tells them about secret food. I mean, you hear that word secret, right? Then you perk your ears up. Ah, oh, this is a secret. What, 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 what's the secret? Well, he'll focus on the food, too. You want to talk about food? He says, then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? The disciples decided to do what they're very good at doing, talking amongst themselves and not talking to Jesus, not bringing it to the one who could help them. Ever find yourself doing that? You know, a difficult matter, a spiritual matter comes up, and you discuss it with your friends, but don't discuss it with God? Or again, aren't familiar enough with God's word because you know, you haven't had a chance to read the Bible lately and too busy to go to the Bible studies 
So no particular Bible story or example or illustration comes to your mind. God has a plan. What is God trying to tell us uh, and teach us? Continue, the teaching continues then. My food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Whoa, here. Uh, Jesus is not talking about normal food that you eat that nourishes the body and allows the body to do whatever the body needs to do? Exactly. He's he's not talking about that kind of, of food. He's talking about what nourishes him and satisfies him is doing the will of his Father. Carrying out the work he was sent to do. That's what feeds Jesus' hunger. He was sent to save the lost. He was fulfilling his Father's will when he talked to that Samaritan woman and brought her to believe in him through this message of living water. See, with that same intent, he would continue to live his life. Every day in every way, following his Father's will. And then he went to the cross and suffered there. For all the people, these disciples then, you and I disciples today and everyone else, he suffered because we don't follow God's will. That isn't first and foremost in our, in our life. We call that, call that sin. Jesus' food then was to do the will of his Father. The disciples then... The food was to do the will of Jesus' Father. Your food and my food. What nourishes you? I mean, spiritually, what, what nourishes you? What inspires you? What, what moves you along? Why has God taught you about Jesus and planted that seed of faith in you and nurtured that seed and, and enabled it to, to grow? Continue to listen and be taught. Jesus now teaches his disciples to connect to the harvest. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest. And that was one of those proverbial sayings that they used, which meant you don't need to get to that part because it's a while off yet. It's four months off. And in reality, it was probably about this time of the year then, if it's actually four months before the harvest. January, February in Israel is when they'd plant the seeds, and if they'd get the rain, which uh, they would uh, hopefully get, and we hopefully get during this season of the year, so that seed could, could sprout and, and grow. The harvest wasn't there. Maybe the seed was just starting to sprout, and maybe our hills would just start to get green pretty soon, hopefully, right? Um, but it's still four months before the harvest. Teachers needed to teach them the next lesson, and that was to personalize the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Hopefully the disciples were starting to understand. Not a a harvest of grain for bread, 
but the harvest of souls for Christ, a spiritual harvest. Encourage them, open your eyes, look up, and, and see the fields. See, see the souls that need to be, uh, to be planted with the saving word of God so that they could come to a harvest. Because Satan's at work too. Satan wants to harvest souls for, for his evil plans. We have a world that, that wants to trample on us, and trample on them, we need to be stored away from that. Open your eyes and look at the fields. Now, we're not exactly told, but wouldn't it be cooler than cool if when they looked up, they saw the Samaritan woman and the people from her town coming? I mean, they're going to be there soon. But wouldn't it have been neat if, they, if he, he timed it that way and they looked up? And what do they see? A group of Samaritans? And they thought, not them, Jesus. Jesus said, yeah, yeah, yes, them, right? That's the harvest. Souls that need to know God's plan. He would say that same thing to us, dear friends. He'd say, open your eyes. Open your eyes and look at the fields. People by the thousands around us that need to know about Jesus so that they can come to believe and be harvested for eternal life. And you have the seeds. You have the power in the gospel. That, that message of who Jesus was and what he has did in his life and death and resurrection and ascension is going to come back on, on Judgment Day. You have that. You know that. You're equipped with that. You've been trained in that. You're a harvester, a spiritual harvester for the Lord. What an exciting time it was for them. And what an exciting time it is for us here in this congregation at this time in history. All oh, the harvest is around us, and God is providing us to go into that harvest. We've called a, a man to be, or a person to be, I guess they say man, but uh, a, man, a person to be a teacher in our high school. From MLC, a full-time teacher. We've called Rachel Heckman to be the children's ministry coordinator to continue that exciting work of working with children and their families. And we are looking to call a second pastor, an associate pastor, yes, to, to do the pastoral things around us, but to especially focus on that abundant harvest of multicultures around us. I mean, that's exciting. You know, that, that, that's thrilling. You know, kind of like Pentecost, right? When, when the disciples could talk in all these other different languages and reach out to people from all around the world that had come to Jerusalem. Well, the people all around the world have come to San Jose and Santa Clara. Right? And we are here. And God is with us. And you are equipped and being equipped. What an exciting time. What a, what a crucial time. For Satan is harvesting too.
Jesus said, even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. That's the saying, one sows and another reaps. And again, indeed, Jesus' followers then and now have different roles. Sometimes we have the privilege of planting that seed in, in children or, or adults that, that, that don't know Jesus yet. And that's why the children's ministries are, are so richly blessed here. You know, whether it's the weekend things or the week-long VBS kinds of things or our Christian elementary school or our high school, the opportunity to plant that seed. And watch the Holy Spirit at work and creating faith and have that faith grow. Sometimes, though, we get to do that and then people move away or, or different things happen. We don't see what happens after that. But then God brings to people, us people who have come to faith other places, and we have the privilege as a congregation, as, as a church, as, as a school, to, to nurture that faith and help them grow in that faith, prepare for, for the harvest. And then there are those times when we have that special privilege, when people come to the end of their life, to celebrate the joy of knowing that that soul's is now in heaven. The final harvest has come for them. Jesus then closes this lesson to his harvesters then and now. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now it is time for Jesus to give you an assignment at the end of this message. Not to, to, to read only the rest of the story of the Samaritan woman, but to be like the Samaritan woman and take the wonderful spiritual seeds that you have and you know and plant them. Tell other people about the Savior. The harvest is, is out there. The harvest is where you, where you live and where you work and where you go to school. Open your eyes. And look and start harvesting. Amen.